With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Free kick for Atleti. Good opportunity to give a shout to a blog, a, a US fan club of Atletico Madrid called Into the Calderon. Just some really good content for all followers of the Colchoneros. A decent base in the United States as well, following the action on ESPN+. Plus. Give them a follow. At into the corridor. We are back, another edition of Colch Narrow Chat, and we've had a few days to gather our thoughts to. Uh, reflect and, and, and analyze the, the Madrid Derby on Saturday. And I, I speak for, for Sam on today's show. We truly hope Antonio Rudiger has recovered from the devastating blow that tiny little Angel Correa landed to his solar plexus on Saturday. Right, Sam? Do, do I speak for you when I say that? <laughs> you most definitely do. I mean, you joke, Jeremy, but I genuinely saw a, a Spanish... I don't even know how to describe him. He's one of these guys who somehow ends up being famous and is always on the news as a, like a guest expert speaker. But he's one of those people who seems to be an expert in everything. And he's a Real Madrid fan. And after that incident, he actually tweeted comparing it to... I can't remember the guy's name. Is it DeAndre Hamlin? Is that... Or am I thinking of the wrong guy? The NFL guy who took that blow to the chest. Yeah, Hamlin. Yeah. He compared it to that. Incredible. And that was why it was clearly a red card. 
guard and serious violent foul play, and I was just so wow. Just so far detached from reality. That that is that's so funny. It's sad to invoke Demar Hamlin like that. Incredible, and, and I can think of no better place to, to start our our, uh, our show today. Sam, uh, with the Madrid Derby. And I don't want to spend too much time talking about the red card incident that took place just after the hour because there is plenty more interesting and pertinent stuff from this game, which you uh, attended and covered for, for our site. There's plenty more stuff to get to. However, it, this, this red card did condition the game. Uh, so obviously, Sam, you were there uh, covering it for Into the Calderon. You hopped on managing Madrid's show post-game. From your vantage point, what did you make of the decision? What did you see, and what did you think? Well, I mean, live in the stadium, it's very hard to tell, because obviously nobody at that point in time was really looking at Correa and Rudiger. Right. Then you just suddenly see Rudiger rolling around on the floor. Hilman Thano walk over to him and get the red card out straight away, and it was one of those weird ones where... Obviously, you don't have the benefit of the replay. You don't have any screens there. The, the Venable press section doesn't have any screens or anything like that, so you don't really see it live. Um, and so watching it, you're kind of like, well, nobody saw anything, but Hilmanthana was very, very quick to get the red card out. I mean, as soon as it happened, he just walked straight over with his hand in his back pocket, got the red card out. So you just kind of assumed there was something to it. Then the longer Correa stayed on the pitch, you were like, this is a little bit strange because, you know, if you lash out, I mean, if you hang around, you're hanging around to try and continue the fight. You don't hang around because you're like Correa, just kind of with your hands up saying, I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit weird. And then kind of everybody in the press box was kind of looking on Twitter and things at the same time. And then some replay clips and things started to come through. And it wasn't until actually that we were in the the press conferences after the game that we actually managed to see a good clip because, I mean, the Wi-Fi connection is not good in the Bernabeu press section. Also, kind of watching this replay, just as Chodos Simeone walks in and, and yeah, I mean, kind of dominated the press conference, I think, of the six, seven questions that were put to Diego Simeone, easily four or five of those were about the red card and the refereeing and Bill Manzano and with good reason because it was a terrible decision and speaking to a Real Madrid supporting friend I know I shouldn't have them but (laughs) at least one um, (laughs) from they were saying I think that actually really helped Atleti because Atleti were quite happy to settle for the draw and play for the nil-nil and after that it did look like Atleti wanted it a bit more they went for that goal they got the Jimenez goal would they have taken those chances would they have gambled and sent Jimenez up for that free kick with 11 men, I mean, maybe there's a point to that, but yeah, a terrible decision. And I think the real blow from that will come in not having Ako Korea for the next two games, which the suspension he's got, even though the club want to appeal and everything, but it seems quite unlikely, especially if they're giving him Manthano a Copa del Rey semi-final this week, that they will then go against him and rescind that red card. Yeah, and the club's already complained about it publicly, uh, sending multiple tweets after full time. Uh, nothing new in the Bernabeu was one of them. There was another one where they showed uh, Correa's ankle after Nacho Fernandez stepped on it. 
uh, like this is the the ankle of our aggressor. We're no nothing new at the Bernabeu. Uh, amazing content, if nothing else. Um, but that that is a good point. Is that this did condition the game both positively and negatively because it was goalless at this time, lest we forget. Fifteen minutes later, Atletico go up the pitch, win a free kick. Griezmann delivers it, and Jose Jimenez, as he does once or twice a season, just thumps in this header to make it one nil. Um, of course, it finished one one, and we'll get and we'll get to that, but. It was such a strange decision. For me, it's never a red card. Uh, like, you give Correa a yellow for the elbow, and Rudiger should get a yellow for simulation, but that's it. Um, however, playing devil's advocate a little bit, Correa got sent off for something pretty similar in a game at Vallecas last March, uh, where they're jostling over a throw-in. I can't remember who he elbowed, but Correa elbowed somebody. They went down. It's a straight red. Uh, very similar here, except it's a much higher profile match. And Correa puts himself in a position that he can't afford to put himself in. Uh, he, he lets Gil Manzano make a decision. Gil Manzano gets the chance to make a headline. He gets the chance to steal the show. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to steal the show. There, are, there have been 94 red cards shown in La Liga this season, Sam. That's more than the, the Premier League, the Bundesliga combined. I think Serie A combined. Uh, just amazing how many disciplinary actions are taken each weekend in in this league. And what is Jaime Lothre doing in the bar room? Picking his nose? Like, this is never a red card. Rudiger popped straight up. Uh, the the Movistar cameras caught Simeone saying, what did Correa do? Did he, did he break his face? And uh, in in the post game, Simeone said, Rudiger's like six foot three. Uh, he popped straight back up. Make your own, draw your own conclusions. Yeah, and there is a certain element of why are we really surprised by this? Because, I mean, if we go back in time to, to COVID times, to 2020, the Champions League, Stefan Savage and Antonio Rudiger had exactly the same thing. Just a couple of weeks ago, Antonio Rudiger did exactly the same thing against Villarreal. Danny Parejo kind of yep. pushes him in the chest in a scuffle at corner. He goes down, making a meal of it. And there is that element of, come on, surely, surely somebody should have said, don't get drawn into that thing, because that's exactly what's going to happen. And with Gilman Sino as referee, He's not going to need convincing. He's waiting and for it. So it is a little bit frustrating in that sense from an Atleti point of view that they went a little bit smarter, a little bit more streetwise and, and expect that from Rudiger because, yeah, he is six foot four or whatever he is and six foot four wide almost as well. And Angel Correa is much smaller and obviously not going to knock him from his feet. Yeah. But if he goes down, it's, it's giving the referee a decision to make and, and then Hilman Thano won't hesitate to, to make that decision. And, and so he did. And there were a couple other calls that I thought were kind of debatable. Uh, one was early in the first half where uh, the ball bounces off Fede Valverde's boot and up onto his hand in the penalty area. Probably not a penalty because you can argue no intent or unnatural position, but I've seen them given, which is probably most of the problem, right? And then at the end, when it's 1-1, very late on, uh, Morata goes down in the box under pressure from Militao. I don't think that's ever a penalty. It's something we talked about a couple of weeks ago where Morata goes down very easy, and I think referees are justifiably tired of it. Um, but, you know, the, the refereeing, once again, dominating a huge fixture in La Liga. And, again, we don't want to spend much more time talking about it, but it, it really is a serious problem. And, since this is the Federation's jurisdiction, not necessarily La Liga's, it's 
going to take a lot to solve it. I don't think the, the standards just keep getting worse and worse. And it's a shame that this is where most of the headlines are coming from. And most of the questions in the press conference were coming from Sam, because I think this is a pretty fascinating derby. And Atletico, uh, I think, were pretty good value for the point that they eventually took, even with 10 men. Yeah, I think this was possibly the best Atleti performance in a derby in quite some time. I mm. thought they they played well, they looked confident. Um, and in, this wasn't Atleti defending in a playing for a nil-nil kind of way. I mean, Atleti did show ambition. I think in the first half, in particular, I think, Possibly the clearer cut chances went to Real Madrid, but Atletico had plenty of... I mean, this is where it's hard to say. They didn't have chances, but they had plenty of the ball in the Real Madrid final third. They looked like they had that initiative and that that desire. So I think it it was a weird game and, and it was a difficult one because, yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to, to kind of criticise... Uh, anything that Atletico really did. I don't think they necessarily got anything wrong in this one. At the end of the day, the goal that Real Madrid scored was against 10 men. They just found that half a yard of space. And and that's what you get when you have an extra man on the pitch is that you do find those gaps, especially against tired legs late on. And, and that was what it was. So I think a point from the game is a very good result for Atletico. I think they would have taken that beforehand and Mm-hmm. And in the press conferences afterwards, I mean, it stayed for Diego Simeone and Carlo Ancelotti, and you could really tell that I mean, Diego Simeone was. If anybody's seen the clip of him, kind of saying they asked him what he what he kind of made of his record of the Bernabeu in La Liga, and he was saying, "Oh, I love it when they sing Cholo Quédate, Cholo Quédate." Yeah, they kind of like bounced out of the press conference, <laughs> singing awesome. and dancing on his way out. But this is a really positive Diego Simeone. Yeah, I mean, conceded a late equaliser, but. Clearly, this is still a positive mood, a good feeling after a one-all draw at the Bernabeu. Whereas Carlo Ancelotti was very blunt to the point, did not look at all happy. And and you could tell that for Real Madrid, it was two points lost. And for Atletico, it was one point gained. Yeah, definitely. I think Atletico were, were far happier than Madrid post-game. Although I think Madrid were pretty happy on Sunday when Barcelona, very surprisingly, lost at Almeria. Uh, via a first half goal from El Balao Torre, who has also scored against Atletico this year. Uh, yeah, that, that title race is still, the door is still ajar for Madrid to maybe make a, a late run. And I was curious as to how the effort they expended at Anfield midweek would translate to another similarly high-intensity, if not high-pressure game on on Saturday. It's a really quick turnaround for Madrid. Atletico don't have the midweek game because of our previous failures in the Champions League, um, and, and I think uh, obviously the the Reynaldo injury was was a big blight on the day, and we'll discuss that in in a moment. But I think the first half, Atletico's defensive structure was pretty good in the first half. One really dangerous chance that I counted uh, from Asensio's kind of dipping shot from outside the box that Oblak had to get down and save. But no, that this the first half looked a lot like the derbies of old uh, from the early years of Chilismo, right? Everything Atletico were keeping everything. In front of them, more or less, um, defending in a medium to low block, really well organized in a 4-4-2, and Madrid couldn't really find many lanes. Nahuel Molina did a really good job on Vinicius, um, again, for the second time in a month. Maybe we have a new Vinicius stopper in our ranks here, Sam. But obviously the big story from the first half was Reynaldo's injury, confirmed as a a torn right ACL. I wrote a bit about this on on Into the Calderon yesterday, but I want to get your thoughts 
on just how bad this is for Diego Simeone now that Rionildo is out for the remainder of the season. Terrible, right? I mean, played more minutes than any other outfield player. I think Jan Oblak was the only player to have been involved in more games in this season. Um, if there's one player you didn't want to lose, it would probably be Reynildo. I mean, maybe you could say Jan Oblak because there isn't the cover. Maybe you could say Antoine Griezmann because he's so important in an attack. But mm-hmm. Reynildo has been so consistent, so reliable, and he's just one of the first names on the team sheet other than a couple of weeks at the start of January where there was kind of that doubt maybe Mario Hermoso should be on the left of a back three I think Reynildo has been crucial and and I think the other thing to remember as well is that there's there's not really a player like him I mean especially at left back Sergio Reguilon is an alternative sure but he's not Reynildo he's not the same mould of left back do you move Mario Hermoso out to left back you can but again he's not that same kind of player then you can then you have to look at changing the whole system to get Yannick Carrasco as a wing back, but then you have to play with a back three, and and so it is a real issue, not just because Reynildo is good, but because the kind of player Reynildo is, there isn't a like for like swap, and also just because it's impossible not to love Reynildo. So to see a player like that who is so integrated into the club, represents the club so well, represents the fans' values, to see him go down and be in so much pain and be out for so long is is a real blow, I guess, the positive for Atleti is that right now, fourth place looks relatively comfortable. If there's a time for a player like Renildo to suffer a six-month injury, it might be now when there's a couple of months left of the season and over the summer and then try and get back into shape so that he can hit the ground running early next season. But, yeah, really horrible to see him. And, I mean, you could tell from social media, seeing all the players going to visit him in hospital and so on, that... He's a popular figure in the squad as well. Yeah, he means a lot to this team, both in and out of the dressing room. Uh, And it was so unfortunate how it happened. Non-contact, he catches his right leg in the grass and it buckles. And I mean, you see this in the NFL a lot. This is how players rip up their knees in the NFL or in the NBA. They just kind of stop. They want to keep going, but their leg does not. And this is how an ACL tear happens. It's so unfortunate. And Reynaldo has been through a lot personally to get to an elite club level like Atletico's level. Um, and it's just really tough to see him go down. And I, I wrote a, I went actually pretty long on this yesterday uh, to the tune of about 1,200 words. But what, the way I see it, there are probably two options that Simeone can go with. Number one is moving Hermoso to left back and dropping either Witzel or Kondogbia into central defense. That would allow... I mean, Kondogbia... Jeremy, you're giving me nightmares. <laughs> Kondogbia's left-footed, and he played center back a little bit last year. This would give him a role in the team again. You wouldn't have to change formation. Hermoso is kind of this inverted left-back. can just dictate play from the back, I guess. Uh, the other solution, uh, which I think Simeone is going to give serious consideration to, is the th- is going back to a three-five-two. Uh, Saul Carrasco, Reguilon, when he gets healthy again, which won't be for another month probably, uh, they'll compete for minutes. This would actually give Saul a role to play for the first time since before the pandemic. Uh, and his defensive metrics are actually really good. He's Atletico's leader in tackles one, attacking third tackles, pass blocks, total blocks. Saul doesn't offer us anything going forward, not really. 
but defensively he's been really solid. This would give him a role to play. This would give him consistent playing time, which the club would like because they still want to sell him and get his wages off the books. It's tough. Um, Simeone's solved issues like this before, um, but Reynildo is someone who doesn't have a replacement, a natural replacement in the squad. So we either have to change the system entirely or play each week with at least two defenders out of position. It's not ideal. Uh, I guess the silver lining is that we don't play a team in the top half again until the first week of April when Betis come to town. Uh, so after an international break. So I guess that's good. This is a relatively smoother part of the schedule on paper but no it's not good and it's really unfortunate i feel really bad for him yeah well i mean you say that jeremy i'm not sure the next few games are particularly easy i mean sevilla sure at home they've found some form of late then girona girona away, away. they've been great at home in recent years has not been kind to atleti yeah and then valencia who is ruben verajad and see if they pick up a bit of form as well i mean they're not necessarily three games as easy as bottom half teams may may sound but yeah I mean I think it is a period for Simeone to try and find the solution and I think I saw that in training today he'd gone back to a back three and then had Yannick Carrasco in the wing about find a role with them also on the left of the back three um, and what was also interesting and I'm sure we'll get onto this later as well was that he had Nahuel Molina is obviously suspended for the game against Sevilla and he had Marco Llorente there rather than uh, Matt Doherty who was still waiting to see in a Leti shirt so yeah it could it could be an interesting team selection on Saturday yeah and we'll get to that when we preview the Sevilla game at the end uh, Marco reported I think yesterday that uh, Doherty would would debut and start this weekend which would probably make the most sense but if Simeone doesn't rate him, then he won't play. That's just how it's always been. It's always difficult for new signings, especially January signings. Reynildo, a notable exception, coincidentally. It's always really tough for new midseason signings to get serious burn for Atletico. Uh, so we'll see what the starting 11 looks like this weekend. Um, I don't really know how, how we're going to line up. We've got so many guys who might be out. Uh, but you know, back to the derby uh, for a couple more talking points. Uh, I think on the equalizer, you have three guys kind of standing around Benzema, but here comes 18-year-old Alvaro Rodriguez, uh, Catalonia-born Uruguay international, just thumps in a header off the post and in, nothing All Black could do. Should should Atletico have defended this a bit better? Like, Benzema is obviously a huge threat from a set piece. He's the reigning Ballon d'Or winner. But three guys standing around him and no one marking uh, young Alvarito. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, there's kind of both sides of the coin here, right? I mean, part of it is defending with 10 men uh, late on in the game. And Alvaro is an 18-year-old who nobody really knew anything about. I very much doubt that any of the LSU defenders on the pitch were expecting him to come on or particularly well briefed on how he plays or anything mm-hmm. like that. So you can see where it comes from. And also there was the sense that yeah, 1-0 win for Atleti in this game would have been a bit, a little bit of a smash-and-grab robbery, but so I mean, one all is kind of fair. I mean, I feel like when you can see the late equaliser like that, you can feel very like hard done by, but on this occasion it was a weird... OK, yeah, fair enough. We, we would have taken that. Real Madrid probably deserve a point. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think there, there is that sense of 
come on an 18 year old kid and we have three experienced central defenders in Hermoso, Jimenez, Savage all out there on that pitch why were none of them a little bit more alert to that but yeah I think it's just one of those momentary switch offs which if Aleti had a little bit more on the line if things were a little bit different in that top four race maybe the reaction would have been a little bit more critical of the defending there. Yeah, because I haven't seen much in the Madrid media about the set-piece marking. Because a point is a good result. I said that before the game, and I maintain it. You know, we actually got closer to uh, Real Sociedad because of the, their results at Mestalla, their 1-0 loss via a first-half own goal. Uh, we're now a point behind La Real, kind of miraculously. Uh, and only two points clear of Betis, but Betis really had to—they were helped a bit. On their their win on Friday, three red cards shown to Elche players and three penalties awarded. And they only scored two of them. Edgar Badia stopped another one. So you know the 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 margins are still pretty slim. Only a, a couple of points between ourselves and Betis in fifth. But I think when the game opened up in the second half, and Oblak made a couple really smart saves when Atletico had just gone ahead on Chuameni and Camavinga two really sharp diving stops before Alvaro beat him. And on the Jimenez goal, Sam, again, we, we see this only a couple of times a year from, from Jose Mop, but I think this was his best performance of the season. He comes in cold off the bench, a really no-nonsense performance at the back, and contributes at the other end, uh, a perfect delivery from, from Griezmann on this free kick, and a, a, a thundering header that we don't see from him too often. Um, is this the kind of performance that can change his season if not his Atletico career turn it around yeah I think so I think he played really well and I mean yeah he doesn't do it too often his last goal was in May last year against Sevilla um, when there wasn't too much at stake and he's got one this season one last season he really doesn't score that many and it's been one of the criticisms of of Osama has been that for a player who's so powerful Aerially, defensively, he really doesn't replicate that offensively. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that Alessio had lost in the last few years, particularly since Diego Godin moved on and so on. There's not that kind of presence. And I think that was really good. And I mean, also to be fair, I think that was some pretty poor defending to a certain extent from, from Real Madrid as well, to be fair. Yeah, we nobody spotted him. Letty's marking and so on. I think that was the same here. And, and it was a point that discussing the game with you and McTeer after the game and said I thought it was really strange how Real Madrid fought on Alvaro for that set piece because that's always kind of one of the the basic rules isn't it that you learn <laughs> when you're a youngster don't bring on a don't make a change when you're about to defend a set piece because everybody knows their marking they know their area and so on and that's kind of one of the, the basics but that's what Carlo Ancelotti did in the end it was kind of Rudiger and, and Alvaro kind of not knowing what was going on that allowed Barcelona to get up there and it was a fantastic header a fantastic free kick and Courtois and the Real Madrid goal could literally do nothing about it but yeah I mean Barcelona was pretty impressive throughout and it would have hurt him to not be in that starting team to see Savage come back in and be first choice so you know fair play to him fair for proving his point 10 clearances a team high I think game high 10 clearances in only 68 minutes um, really impressive from Josema, who is has always been capable of this, we just don't see it through injury, suspension, 
his form, especially the past couple of years, his form has been really up and down. Uh, even during the league title winning season, his form was really kind of topsy-turvy. Um, but this was a really, really good individual performance for him and a really important one because uh, he comes in a uh, really traumatic injury suffered by Ray Neal, though. He comes in cold and helped save the day. The first half, he was clearing everything that came near him. Right, Like, right, don't play it out the back. Just hoof it. I, there is always, for me, there's always a place for a defender like that. Just I, I'm not going to play a short pass and build out the back. No, I'm just hoofing this 50 yards up the pitch. Go and get it. Yeah, I mean, that was really what, yeah. what Alex <laughs> did at that point in the game. So, yeah, and he, he did kind of take up a bit of a leadership role in this game, and that was exactly what, what Atleti needed. And, I mean, the team that, that was out there in the end, I mean, with... You know, with Jimenez, with Coque, with Saul, I mean, they kind of had some of that kind of the the leaders or the heavyweights within the Alotico dressing room and, you know, the influential figures as well. So I think this was a real kind of Cholista performance in that sense. And mm-hmm. it was about grinding out a good result, playing well and and not kind of sitting back and depending and, and just hoping for a draw. But actually a, a really strong team performance. I think this is one of the better Atleti performances that I've seen this season. I thought it was harsh that Pablo Barrios came off at halftime, Sam. What did you make of his 45-minute cameo in this game and what he offered on the biggest, probably the biggest stage of his life so far? Yeah, well, I thought the same thing. I mean, his inclusion was perhaps a little bit of a surprise, but there weren't too, too many options. And he did start against Barcelona at the Metropolitano only a couple of months ago, I remember, as well. So mm-hmm. he has started these big games, but then he was taken off at half-time. Here he was taken off at half-time, and I actually thought that his first half was was pretty good. I thought he kind of helped support Molina. I thought they controlled Vinicius quite well. I mean, he did look a little bit dangerous. He did have a few moments, but they were more moments of just his talent rather than him being allowed space and so on. And I think... He did okay. I think it was more a tactical switch, but we're seeing a lot of the time that that he is being taken off at half time by Diego Simeone, and you wonder what the thinking is there. And and I was a little bit surprised to see that change made at half time because I'm not sure that Atleti particularly gained that much by bringing in Correa and dropping Marco Llorente into the midfield, and it, it was a strange choice, I think, having trained a week with Barrios in the midfield and then to sort of switch it up at half time. I don't think it was necessarily not working to the extent that that we had to make that change. Yeah, I mean Simeone couldn't have known that Correa was gonna go and get himself sent off at eighteen minutes into the second half. But I was a bit puzzled by that change. Like we've talked about this on a couple of programs now, Sam, is that Barrios is a young player He's not even 20 years old yet. He was playing in the B team at the start of the season. Just everything has happened for him very, very quickly. And it's clear that Atletico need him. This midfield needs someone with his composure, with his charisma, with his passing range. That ball he uncorked into Urente's path at the very end of the first half. Just uh, He didn't quite weight it properly, but I, I saw what he was looking for, right? The vision, uh, the the uh, I, I guess the gall, kind of the, the ambition to... Um, to release that pass into space at the end of the first half. And if Yorente gets onto it, he might be able to round Courtois and tuck it in and make it 1-0 to Atleti at halftime, which would have been a, a huge goal, a huge moment in, in the game. 
but Barrios, he offers even at his tender age and the fact that he's, you know, a rookie, he's just learning the ropes here. He offers something that our midfield really needs at the same time. You can't risk burning him out. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think you can argue both ways that Simeone, what he's doing with Barrios is, is the right thing for his development. And also you could argue what he's doing is maybe not the best thing for his development. He was doing quite a bit of defensive work too. Kind of, as you said, tag teaming with, with Molina. He made four recoveries in, in the first half. He was kind of all over the place on the right and into the middle. Yeah, I thought it, it was a real team kind of performance. And especially in that first half an hour or so, I thought it was, it was quite a good structure, a lot of teamwork and not really kind of taking their responsibilities, their jobs and and doing that job. And and that's why I was quite impressed with Pablo Barrios because he fit into that very well and, and did his duty. I mean, he did show moments of, of looking really good, but of him and Saul, I probably would have said that he had more of a positive influence on the game in that first half. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's... He's shown more and more promising signs, and I'm sure with time we'll see him on the pitch for longer and longer in this weekend. Well, let's hope so. He's uh, showing us quite a bit in, in just a few really short weeks, months here. Let's pivot now and talk about this weekend's game, Sam. The the, the derby is done, finished with, with a draw that I think that, again, Atletico will be pretty pleased with. They gained a point on La Real, uh, you know, lost a little bit of ground in with respect to Betis, um, but I, I think they're going to do okay there in the end. Uh, Betis lost Nabil Fakir to a torn ACL yesterday, which is really bad for them. That's his second torn ACL. Awful. Yeah, I mean, he has oh. always had those ongoing knee problems, which is why Liverpool didn't end up signing him a few yep. years ago. And there is that kind of element of when he went to Betis... Were Betis aware of that risk and decided to take it? Mm-hmm. And to be fair to them, it's probably paid off. But yeah, to lose their him now at this stage of the season with so much to play for is is going to be a real blow for, for Betis and a real boost for Atleti with with only that two point gap. So I feel like that could be a a real kind of killer blow for a Betis team as well who are just starting to find some form after a bit of a rough patch. Yeah, Fakir is maybe the best playmaker outside of not not playing for Barca or Madrid. You could include Atletico because of Griezmann, but Griezmann does just so many other things for for us as well. Uh, Fakir is one of the top players in La Liga at his position. That's a huge blow for them. They still have European commitments as well. They play Real Madrid this weekend. Uh, Madrid will be coming off a a Clasico in the Copa del Rey semifinals, so we're going to see how that goes. But Atletico, meanwhile, have the late game Saturday at home against a struggling Sevilla side. Here is, Sam, you you intimated this earlier. Here's the, the full 11 that Simeone rolled out in training today. All black and goal, Llorente and Carrasco as the wingbacks with Savic, Jimenez, and Hermoso in central defense. The midfield, Coque, Saul, and Pablo Barrios again. And up top, Memphis and Griezmann. So going back to the 3-5-2, at least for this early in the week training session. And Sevilla, Sam, they are improving. They're not really out of the woods just yet, they still could get dragged into this relegation race that has enveloped seemingly half the league. They're 14th as, as we sit here on Tuesday. Uh, but they are coming off a, a confidence-boosting uh, Europa League playoff win against PSV Eindhoven. Uh, they've only lost one of their last three in La Liga. It was a really weird game against Osasuna this past weekend that they 
that they lost at home, and now they travel to the Metropolitano. We have kind of an idea of how we might line up on, on Saturday, but how do you think this one's going to go? Yes, uh, it's a hard one to predict. Um, Sevilla have looked a lot better of late up until Sunday night's defeat to Osasuna where they were an absolute shambles defensively. <laughs> um, very good going forward, but defensively they were terrible if they played like that at the Metropolitan. I think Aleti should be okay. Yeah. Um, but away from home, they really haven't been that good. And uh, I think October um, 15th, I think it was, they beat Mallorca. Um, and that was their last away win in La Liga. And that's kind of been a theme as well. I mean, they went out of the Copa del Rey away from home to Osasuna. Um, that PSV game that you just mentioned, they won 3 0 at the Pitbull and then lost 2 0 in the Netherlands. Yeah. So I think away from home, they were a different animal, different beasts to the one that we've seen in the last few weeks. And also, perhaps a little bit worrying for them is that when they did find that form, they were winning a lot of games to nil. I think they beat Cadiz 1-0, they beat Elche 3-0, they beat Mallorca 2-0, then they beat PSV at home 3-0. And since then, things have gone a little bit off track. They drew with Rayo Vallecano in their last away game in La Liga, then they went to the Netherlands and conceded 2 to PSV, and then 3-2 at home against Osasuna at the weekend, with Bono making a terrible mistake for one of those goals, which was an own goal. Oh, Fernando yeah. getting sent off for descent. So you wonder, you think that Aleti should be scoring in this one. And if Aleti can score, you'd like to hope that they can, can shut out Sevilla. Getting a, a, a decent run of results here without Reynaldo would definitely be a big big confidence boost for uh, for this defense. When was the last time we did the double over Sevilla? It's. I don't think they've ever done the double over them uh, with Simeone in charge. I'm just kind of looking at some past games now. Uh, the last time we did the double over Sevilla, a long time. I think 2007, 2008 is the last time we beat them twice in one season. Wow, that is a long time. I, I would not have guessed that, but yeah, I mean, we usually don't win at the Pizuan. We have this year. We won two nil early in the season. Uh, when Koke broke Adelardo's record. And this weekend, Sam, Diego Simeone is going to get a chance to break the record. He will surpass Luis Aragones uh, for the most games coached uh, by an, an Atletico coach. They're currently level on 612 games. Uh, Simeone tied the record against Madrid this past weekend. He will break it against Sevilla on Saturday. Um, what else can you say? Just yet another record falling uh, for, for Cholo Simeone. 613 games in all competitions managed along the Atletico touchline, all in, in one go as well. Aragones had four or five stints as Atletico's manager. Yeah, I think it's, it's incredible. And I just saw that Atleti actually did the double over Sevilla in 2012-13. Oh, they did? Um, so, yes, they did. It was 4-0 at the, at the Calderon with Sevilla having two men sent off and then beat them 1-0 at the pit one. But they also played in the Copa Array that week. Um, and went through over yeah, the two legs that, as well. So, yep, that was in the semi-final. Yeah, so Simeone has done it, but yeah, I mean, the one time. And, yeah, I mean, Simeone and that stat, I mean, it's really incredible when you think about it in this modern day of a, day and age of coaches and so on. I mean, it feels like every game the last few weeks has been breaking a record. I think the weekend it was also the most La Liga 
games merging one club was that the record that he yep, broke that was, was uh, Munoz's record, record um, and so now to to get this one I think they're two iconic figures who were so bizarrely interlinked in their careers as well to a certain extent but yeah what Diego Simeone's done is is unreal and I think at the moment we've had moments this season where it looked like Maybe he wouldn't be around for too much longer, but I feel like right now there is plenty of belief in Diego Simeone and that he will be going much further than where we are right now. Yeah, and I'm not trying to speculate too much on, you know, on why that is, uh, since you just mentioned it. Atletico are unbeaten in, in seven straight in La Liga, clearly their best run of the year. And maybe it's a coincidence, maybe not, that it's it's come since this dressing room clear out that largely took place in January, you know, Joao Felix has gone to Chelsea, Mateus Cunha has gone to Wolves, Felipe has gone to Nottingham Forest. Uh, it's not going too great, uh, certainly for Joao Felix at, at Chelsea, Sam. Uh, another kind of poor display for him against Spurs at the weekend. Uh, Chelsea have not won since they acquired him. Atletico haven't lost since they let Joao go on loan. Yes, well, I think that kind of says it all, doesn't it? Hmm, maybe. <laughs> I'm yeah. not saying, but I am just saying. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of gang squad that, that was in the, the club and, and, and Rhaenilda as well was kind of part of it, but not so much. But yeah, the fact that they've all been pushed out basically in the same transfer window. I mean, Renan Lodi towards the end of the summer transfer window and all of the others in that group in the January transfer window, it, it kind of says a lot. It's a little bit strange because they're all kind of that South American, Brazilian, and Leti have never had a problem with that before. I mean, so much of the core of Diego Simone's success has been built on South American players mm-hmm. and so on. So it is a bit strange, but in this case, it just seems that something wasn't working out. And it's also not just that, but that it's helped Diego Simeone or Atleti to get the best out of other players like Nahuel Molina, like Rodrigo de Paul and, and how much of that is down to the confidence boost of winning the World Cup, how much of that is down to not having disruptive influences or whatever it may be in the dressing room and and so on. So I think there, there are a lot of factors that, if we're honest, us as spectators, as journalists as whatever whatever we are from the outside will never be able to fully understand and I think the only people who really know what's going on or what's changed over the last few weeks are the, the 25 players in that dressing room and, and the 5-10 coaches that work with them on a day-to-day basis who really fully understand, know and are part of those dynamics that, that do have such a big influence because I mean we forget about it, don't we? We forget this is just the same as me or you going to work. If we can't stand the guy that we have to sit next to in the office all day, we're not going to enjoy our work. We're not going to be doing our work as to the best of our ability as we might be doing if it was someone that we worked really well alongside. I think it's the same for these guys as as footballers. So, yeah, I think there is more, more importance, more influence to that and to those changes in the squad and personnel in January than, than many people give it credit for. Because this is a job like anything else, right? Like, I think that's that's a really good way to put it, Sam, is that we forget that being a professional footballer is is a job. It is a career. It's not an office job, right? It's not like, 
you know, sitting in an office, like in an accounting job or being a lawyer or being a reporter or whatever, th this is still a day job for a lot of these people who, who happen to be really, really skilled with a ball at their feet. Um, and it, it was clear just from, from the outside perspective, I think it was clear to both of us that something just really was not working, especially in the first part of the season. You can go back to last season as well and how, how messy that was. Um, but it, it does seem like Simeone has said this in a couple of press conferences lately that something has changed since the World Cup, that the, there's a, a bit more seriousness maybe about the team. You know, I, I'm not going to tell the listener what to think, but if, if you put one and one together here, I don't think you're going to get three. I think there's been a there's been a pretty clear uptick since the certain events transpired. Um, and we'll, we'll see if Atletico continue that good run this weekend. I'm optimistic that they will. I think for once the Metropolitano should be a pretty celebratory atmosphere because this is, this will be Simeone's day, right? He's setting another record. He just got Munoz's record. He's getting Aragonés's record now. And as he has shown time and time again during his 10 plus years on the touchline, if you give him the players that he wants um, and players who fit his style, good results are going to follow. We're going to be pretty successful. So we'll see if that continues on the weekend, Sam. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the best way to, to explain it. I think we're seeing Diego Simeone players kind of playing in a Diego Simeone style. And, and that's kind of what we were missing for a substantial part of this season. So it is great to see that now. Um, hopefully we can see more of that in in the weeks ahead and we can kind of build up some consistency because I think that was a big issue particularly through the first half of the season because there were games where Atleti were very very good thinking of that game they beat one just as one example and other games where Atleti were very very bad and so to have this kind of consistency now which I think we've seen since the turn of the year that Atleti more or less are playing a similar level sometimes it might not be the result we want it might be a draw at home to Atleti a lot of the signs are the same as across the last few games. It's good to see that consistency and and at least if Atleti are dropping points now, we're saying, okay, we know what the problem is, we can identify that. But this isn't that one week three or four players will have the game of their lives and the next they'll just vanish as soon as they walk over that white line. So, right. Yeah. Um, there there is that that strong foundation to the team at least, or that strong spine to the team that that was missing earlier in the season. Yeah, and, and just one last thing on this before we wrap up is that it what's good about what's been good about this run uh, is that we have felt more like ourselves, if that makes sense, right? We have felt more. It feels like we're as a team we're embracing Chalismo again, and it's it is so important to have that identity, um, even if it's not pretty, if, if it's not for everyone, if it's not aesthetically pleasing. Uh, I don't care. It's an identity. You have to have an identity to, to have any hope of laying a foundation for success. And we are, again, slowly, surely, steadily starting to show that, that if we have this identity, this Cholismo um, identity of sacrifice, hard work, uh, picking one another up, and of course, maybe winning the odd game 1-0, that it's it breeds success and success makes everyone happy and healthy and winning cures just about everything. So we'll see if Atletico can keep that run up at the Metropolitano on 
Saturday against Sevilla. But we're going to leave it there for now, and we will be back next week to talk about the Sevilla game and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. Sam Leverage, thank you so much for hopping on the show today, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Yeah, hopefully we'll have some, some positives to be talking about. Yes, indeed. Uh, we will be back next week. In the meantime, you can keep up with our stuff on IntoTheCalderon.com, on social media, on Twitter, uh, also on our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash Chat, where I deliver uh, exclusive bonus content, audio programming, other goodies uh, throughout the week. I should have a bonus pod dropping Thursday or Friday, but I will uh, keep the Colchonero Chat amigos which hopefully include you, dear listener. I will keep you all apprised. Thanks again for listening to today's Colch Narrow Chat, and until next time, adios.